From epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire. From the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times. A light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light. On today's A Light on Literature, we continue by presenting the book Two Years in the Forbidden City by Princess De Ling. Today, Man Ling narrates the fourth chapter, which is titled A Launching with the Empress. Pre-launching appetizing snacks, kowtowing before the feast, eating while standing, numerous dishes left over for others, the Supreme Lady Empress Daojie Cixi sharing tea with the girls, all these were taken to be Her Majesty's kindness and generosity, which lead to the princess questioning of her informant's description of Cixi's fierce temper. The initial close-up encounter makes her conclude Her Majesty was the sweetest woman in the world, and without much hesitation, agreed to come back and serve within the tall red walls. What will this invitation from Cixi reveal to her? Our eager princess will have to experience more to find out. Chapter Four: A Lunching with the Empress. There were about one hundred and fifty different kinds of food, for I counted them. They were placed in long rows, one row of large bowls, and one row of small plates, and then another row of small bowls, and so on. As the setting of the tables was going on, two court ladies came into the bedroom, each carrying a large yellow box. I was very much surprised to see court ladies doing this kind of work, and I said to myself, "If I come here." Will I have to do this sort of thing? Although these boxes appeared to be quite heavy, they brought them in very gracefully. Two small tables were placed in front of Her Majesty. Then they opened the boxes and placed a number of very cute plates containing all sorts of sweets, lotus flower seeds dried and cooked with sugar. Watermelon seeds, walnuts cooked in different ways, and fruits of the season cut and sliced. As these plates were being placed on the tables, Her Majesty said that she liked these dainties better than meat, and gave us some, and told us to make ourselves at home. We thanked her for her kindness and enjoyed them very much. I noticed that she ate quite a quantity from the different plates and wondered how she would be able to eat her lunch. When she had finished, two of the court ladies came and took the plates away, and Her Majesty told us that she always gave what was left to the court ladies after she had finished eating. After this. A eunuch came in carrying a cup of tea. This teacup was made of pure white jade, and the saucer and cover was of solid gold. Then another eunuch came in carrying a silver tray on which were two jade cups similar to the others. 
one containing honeysuckle flowers, the other rose petals. He also brought a pair of gold chopsticks. They both knelt on the floor in front of Her Majesty and held the trays up so that she could reach them. She took the golden cover off of the cup containing tea and took some of the honeysuckle flowers and placed them in the tea. While she was doing this and sipping the tea, she was telling how fond she was of flowers and what a delicate flavor they gave to the tea. Then she said, I will let you taste some of my tea and see if you like it. And ordered one of the eunuchs to bring us some tea, the same as she was drinking. When it came, she put some of the honeysuckle flowers in the cup for us and watched us drink it. It was the most delicious tea I had ever tasted, and the putting of flowers in it gave it an extremely delicate flavor. When we had finished drinking tea, she told us to go with her into the next room, where the tables had been prepared for lunch. And I wondered if she had any room for lunch after all that she had just eaten. But I soon found out. As soon as she was inside the room, she ordered the covers to be removed, and they were all taken off at one time. Then she took her seat at the head of the table and told us to stand at the foot. She then said, Generally, the emperor takes lunch with me when we have the theater, but he is shy today, as you are all new to him. I hope he will get over it and not be so bashful. You three had better eat with me today. Of course, we knew that this was an especial favor and thanked her by kowtowing before we commenced to eat. This kowtowing, or bowing our heads to the ground, was very tiring at first and made us dizzy until we got used to it. When we commenced to eat, Her Majesty ordered the eunuchs to place place for us and gave us silver chopsticks, spoons, etc., and said, I'm sorry you have to eat standing but I cannot break the law of our great ancestors. Even the young empress cannot sit in my presence. I'm sure the foreigners must think we are barbarians to treat our court ladies in this way. And I don't wish them to know anything about our customs. You will see how differently I act in their presence, so that they cannot see my true self. I was watching her while she was talking to my mother and marveled to see how she could eat after having eaten such a quantity of candy, walnuts, etc. while in her bedroom. Beef was a thing that was tabooed within the precincts of the palace as it was considered a great sin to kill and eat animals that were used as beasts of burden. The food consisted mostly of pork, mutton, and game, fowls, and vegetables. This day we had pork cooked in ten different ways, such as meatballs, sliced cold in two different ways, red and white, the red being cooked with a special kind of sauce made of beans, which gives it 
the red color and has a delicious taste. Chop the pork with chopped bamboo shoots, pork cut in cubes, and cooked with cherries and pork cooked with onions and sliced thin. This last dish was Her Majesty's favorite, and I must say it was good. Then there was a sort of pancake made of eggs, pork, and mushrooms chopped fine and fried. Also, pork cooked with cabbage and another dish cooked with turnips. The fowl and mutton was cooked in several different ways. In the center of the table was a very large bowl, about two feet in diameter, of the same yellow porcelain, in which there was a chicken, a duck, and some shark fins in a clear soup. Shark fins are considered a great delicacy in China. Besides this, there was a roast chicken, boneless chicken, and roast duck. Ducks and chickens are stuffed with little pine needles to give them a fine flavor, and roasted in open-air ovens. There was another dish that Her Majesty was very fond of, and that was the skin of roast pork, cut into very small slices and fried until it curls up like a rasher of bacon. As a rule, the Manchu people seldom eat rice, but are very fond of bread. And this day, we had bread made in a number of different ways, such as baked, steamed, fried, some with sugar and some with salt and pepper, cut in fancy shapes, or made in fancy molds such as dragons, butterflies, flowers, etc. And one kind was made with mince meat inside. Then we had a number of different kinds of pickles, of which Her Majesty was very fond. Then there was beans and green peas and peanuts made into cakes and served with sugar cane syrup. I did not eat very much, as I was too busy watching Her Majesty and listening to what she said, although she told us to eat all we could. In addition to all I have mentioned, we had many different kinds of porridge, some made of sweet corn and some with tiny yellow rice like birdseed. And Her Majesty said that we must all eat porridge after our meat. After we had finally finished eating, Her Majesty rose from the table and said, "Come into my room, and you will see the young empress and the court ladies eat." They always eat after I am finished. We went with her, and I stood near the door between the two rooms and saw the young empress and court ladies come in and stand around the table, eating very quietly. They were never allowed to sit down and eat their food. All this time, the theater had been going on, playing some fairy tales, but they were not near as interesting as the first play that we had seen. Her Majesty sat on her long couch in the bedroom, and the eunuch brought her some tea, and she ordered some brought for us. My reader can imagine how delighted I was to be treated in this way. In China. The people think their sovereign is the supreme being, and that her word is law. One must never raise their eyes when talking to her. This is a sign of great respect. 
I thought these extreme favors must be most unusual. I had been told that Her Majesty had a very fierce temper, but seeing her so kind and gracious to us and talking to us in such a motherly way, I thought my informant must be wrong and that she was the sweetest woman in the world. When Her Majesty had rested a while, she told us that it was time we were returning to the city as it was getting late. She gave us eight big yellow boxes of fruit and cakes to take home with us. She said to my mother, Tell Yukon, my father, to get better soon and tell him to take the medicine I'm sending by you and to rest a while. Also, give him these eight boxes of fruit and cakes. I thought my father, who had been quite ill since we returned from Paris, would not be much benefited if he ate all those cakes. However, I knew he would appreciate her kind thoughtfulness, even if it were detrimental to his health. As perhaps most of my readers know, it is the custom to kowtow when Her Majesty gives presents and we kowtowed to her when she gave us the fruit and cakes and thanked her for her kindness. Ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn slash podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people. Just as we were leaving, Her Majesty said to my mother that she liked us very much and wanted us to come and be her court ladies and stay at the palace. We thought this was another great favor and again thanked her. And she asked us when we could come and told us to bring our clothes and things only as she would fix everything for us and showed us the house we would live in when we came and told us to come back inside of two days. This house contained three very large rooms and was situated on the right side of her own or private palace. This palace, Le Shou Tan, Ever Happy Palace, is situated on the shores of the lake and was Her Majesty's favorite place and where she spent most of her time reading and resting and when the spirit moved her, she would go for a sail on the lake. In this palace, she had quite a number of bedrooms and made use of them all. When she had finished showing us this house, we took leave of Her Majesty, the young empress and the court ladies, and after a long and tiresome ride, reached home exhausted but happy after the most eventful day of our lives. When we got into the house, we were surprised to find several eunuchs waiting our return. They had brought us each four rows of imperial brocade from Her Majesty. Once more, we had to bend to custom in thanking her for these gifts. 
This time, the gift having been sent to the house, we placed the silk on the table in the center of the room and kowtowed to thank Her Majesty and told the eunuchs to tell Her Majesty how grateful we were to her for all her kindness and for the beautiful gifts. There's another thing that had to be done according to the custom, and that was to give the eunuchs a present or tip. And we had to give each of the eunuchs ten tales for their trouble. We afterwards found out that when eunuchs went anywhere to take presents for Her Majesty, they were required to report to her when they returned how the recipient had thanked her and what had been given them, which she allowed them to keep. She also asked them numerous questions about our house, whether we were pleased with her, etc. These people are extremely fond of talking, and after we had returned to the palace again, they told us what Her Majesty had said about us the first day we were there. My mother felt very much worried to go to the palace and leave my father all alone, owing to his being in poor health. But we could not disobey Her Majesty's order, so we returned to the palace three days later. Our first day there was a busy one for us. When we first arrived, we went and thanked Her Majesty for the present that she had sent us. She told us that she was very busy today, as she was going to receive a Russian lady, Madame Plankon, wife of the Russian minister to China, who was bringing a miniature portrait of the Tsar and Tsarina and family as a present from the Tsar to her, the Empress Dowager. She asked me if I could speak Russian. I told her that I could not, but that most Russians spoke French, which seemed to satisfy her. She, however, said, Why don't you tell me you speak Russian? I won't know or be able to find out and at the same time was looking at one of the court ladies. I concluded that someone must be fooling her, for she seemed to appreciate the fact that I had told her the truth. This afterwards proved to be true, and one of the court ladies was dismissed for pretending she could talk foreign languages when she could not speak a word. Besides this audience, there was the theater and the engagement ceremony of Her Majesty's nephew, Turju. The engagement ceremony, according to the Manchu custom, is performed by two of the princesses of the royal family going to the house of the prospective bride, who sits on her bed, cross-legged, her eyes closed, and awaits their coming. When they arrive at the house, they go to her bedroom and place a symbol called Rui, made of pure jade, about one and a half feet long, in her lap, and suspend two small bags made of silk and beautifully embroidered, each containing a gold coin, from the buttons of her gown, and place two gold rings on her fingers, on which is carved the character's Ta Si, great happiness. The meaning of the symbol or scepter Ru Yi is, may all joy be yours. During this entire ceremony, 
absolute silence is maintained. And immediately they have finished, they return to the palace and inform Her Majesty that the ceremony has been completed. And that is the fourth chapter of Two Years in the Forbidden City, written by Princess De Ling and narrated by Man Ling. Join us next time on A Light on Literature for Chapter 5 of the book, titled An Audience with the Empress.
what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn/podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people.